0: Welcome to the Awakening Podcast. You can find other episodes on awakeningpodcast.org. I'm also on Bitshoot. And I've got four other podcasts. And I'm a podcasting coach. And you'll find everything on bio.link forward slash podcaster. Today, please welcome my guest, Bo Bissett.
1: Hi, Roy. How you doing?
0: I'm very well. I'm very well. So I suppose you might int- I know you've 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 created a ammonie, but you might just introduce yourself. Who's Bo?
1: Yeah. Amani's I a multidisciplinary healing system that I created in response to my own self-sabotaging that I did for oh, almost 40 years. And I tried everything I could get my hands on. I tried meditating and Tony Robbins and Joe Dispenza and you know, obscure healing techniques over here. And I'm in Taiwan, so over here. Uh, I read books and tried mantras and affirmations and just nothing, man, nothing, nothing turned the needle for me. Nothing changed my perspective, nothing got to the, to the, to the beliefs that I was, that I was carrying that were limiting me from experiencing um, not just an abundant life, but a, a, that's just what I would call just a normal life. I was always just kicking myself in the, in a, kicking myself while I was down and it was uh i went through this system that was uh created by this australian guy Um, it's called the spiral and that's when things clicked for me and i a lot of what i was dealing with changed almost immediately when i started doing the, the work that i'm doing now and just i had a physical immediate physical response uh just cried tears of uh, joy and also disappointment in myself because i i I realized as 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 i started doing this work that like i was my own problem like i was the one who would put myself in, in those shoes right and so yeah and then from once i started doing this work it just started my life changed and it started changing pretty rapidly and so I'm I'm Spanish means I love me and Chinese means you, um, and together, obviously it means I love you. And that's the goal that I want when I work with people to have them be able to have that same epiphany, right. To have to, for them to look in the mirror to be able to say that I love you to themselves and, and actually mean it. Uh, we use muscle testing, kinesiology, meridian, uh, meridian chart to, tag the emotions that we find with uh, muscle testing in the, around the body. Uh, and then we use an AMO, uh, the AMO breath, uh, which is a breath that I created. Uh, it's a, a three-part breath that uh, uses visualization and then also uh, humming, uh, which stimulates the vagus nerve, sy- sinking the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. And then we use a uh, neuro-linguistic programming at the end of each session to help uh, grease the wheels of intention and, Push the individual further down their path of uh, their hopes and dreams. That's what it. Uh, yeah, that's what it is. Excellent.
0: So, what I'd like to, because I'd like to touch on all them things, but I'd like to kind of go back first and go through your journey. And mainly, mm-hmm. it's kind of because sometimes when people hear a story, it triggers something in them, or they'll think of somebody that they can relate to, which in turn then can see the solution.
1: I got you. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I grew up as a, I mean, a normal. I thought well, what I thought I was a pretty normal kid in a normal family. I was grew up in a small town in America. Um, I did have a lot of, a lot of resentment, a lot of anger as a child. Um, that started manifesting as, uh, like injuries when I was really young. Uh, like anger. I played a lot of sports. My dad, my father, was a uh, he played sp- uh, golf in university, and then my grandfather played I think one year of professional baseball like way way back in the day so sports was always a big part of my life and but yeah from an early age I was always getting hurt spraining ankles breaking ankles and then when I was 15 I blew out my knee just completely blew out my knee
0: and was it uh, was the sport pushed on you or was it something that you actually wanted to do because sometimes that can nah, happen with parents as well they'll push you know against their own wishes yeah.
1: well my dad did push push sports on me but I enjoyed I enjoyed sport and he like he let me he made sure that I tried like different sports and he was like, you know, just give it a try, you know, get out there and play around. And, you know, there were some sports I didn't enjoy, but like I had no problem or he had no problem after I tried and didn't like it. He was like, all right, you get a season. All right. You don't want to do that anymore. That's cool. But my, one of the biggest things, the anger, when I was, a, when I was a kid and then also when I was 12, my parents divorced. And when, when they sat my brother and I down to tell us that they were getting a divorce, like I said, I grew up in a small town, and like I, I didn't know anybody. That, I knew a divorced man, but I didn't know like uh, any. I didn't have any friends or families that had been through that, right? So my, my parents told me, and my initial reaction was, I got up out of the out of the sea that I was in and just ran out of the house and just ran away. And I went back home later that night, uh, just because I was hungry, right? And I was a twelve-year-old kid, and I didn't know what else to do. But that was my pattern, just running, and. I ran using drugs, I ran using alcohol, and then uh, later on in my 20s, um, I, I just basically packed up and left America, um, just started bouncing around uh, the world teaching English and um, using drugs and alcohol just to completely uh, crush myself. I mean, I got two accidents. When I, was a ni- when I was 19, I was in a drunk driving car accident. It was a single single car accident, it was my fault. I ran off the road going like 100 miles an hour, went through a telephone pole, I woke up the next morning in intensive care, and then two years later, I did the same thing, and it's just ridiculous, man. And I was just like, I was just beating myself and self-sabotaging myself every way I could financially, uh, with uh, with partners, you know, with women. Um, you know, I'd find a nice nice girl and then just run away from her, you know. And I did that in you know in Spain. I did that in Vietnam. I did that in Taiwan. I did that in Mexico. I just like I did that in the Czech Republic. It's just like everywhere. And, you know, that it just ran and ran and ran. And it finally caught up to me in my late thirties. Um, I was in Vietnam at the time, just drinking, just profusely. And, uh, I lost everything. I called my brother up. And I was like, man, I need some help. He helped me uh, get back to the States. Uh, I got on a bicycle, rode across the country because I thought maybe I could turn my writing into something like a blog and do some travel writing that didn't work. So I ended up back with my aunt and uncle. Um, and they were helping me get back on my feet. And my aunt told me, uh, she came in one day as I was you know, doing some work and told me that uh, she had breast cancer. And right then I just like, I looked in the, uh, the next over the next couple of days, I just kind of looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, dude, you know, here's somebody that's done well, you know, done all the things right, you know, and she's got breast cancer and here you are just completely like, uh, you're just ruining. it you're driving yourself into the ground like get it together and so that was my that was my spark to stop drinking um and that's just from there i started reading and doing everything i could but it was just like like i said earlier man just nothing was pushing it. nothing was like materializing for me it was just it was this the frustration was there the the anger was still there like um you know i would meditate You know, and I'd be fine while I was sitting in the chair, right? But as soon as I got up and, you know, life started happening, it's like, wow, you know, lose it again. So with this work, I finally figured out, you know, that the emotions, the emotions that we program as kids, like those are the, that that's, that's it. That was where my answer was. In fact, the first book that I, one of the first books that I read when I first started this journey, it was called Molecules of Emotion. It was written by a female doctor. She was like a prominent doctor, like neurophysicist, or something like that. But it really, what really caught my attention was that our emotions affect us on a molecular level. And I was like, oh man, so that's my key. You know, it took me like, I don't know, probably six or seven years later until, you know, all the pieces fell into, into place um but yeah that was that definitely that book definitely resonated with me and um when i did finally find the work that i'm doing now it was like uh yeah i was like ah i knew it that was it
0: <laughs> so. I, I think it's the journey as well because you know we're always searching for you just know when something is right and mm. you know the fact that you just tried all these things and you know tony rob and all the different ones and you know, some work for some people but like I, I say that the, the memory of pain, you know, pain poisons us and it's deep within and sometimes it's quashed. And I think like I, I have seen that with say the breathwork, how somebody, they release a trauma and you're, you're looking at them, you know, if you're in a facilitated event and like they're seriously breaking out, but then afterwards it's like, they've got it. They've, you know, they're kind of free from something they didn't even realize that was deep within them.
1: mhm yeah, it's, it's amazing, man. It's really like when I went through this work, When I when I uh, when I first went through this, um, I'm I'm about let's see, you're in Let's see, I'm about 178 centimeters and about 70 right now, about 78 kgs, right? And when I finished, when I finished going through this work, it was about it was a seven week course, and when I went through it, I was uh, 68 kgs. And like, I'm not somebody that should lose 10 kgs. I'm not somebody that should lose five kgs, right? So, and it was just like, my body was just, you know, the the word embodied, right? So we embody emotions. We actually like physically take emotions on and like hold them into our body. And, And as I was releasing them, it was like my body was shedding those emotions and the physical matter that those emotions were attached to. And like I had, it was a literal you know, physical, emotional, psychological transformation. I mean, just amazing, just amazing to connect with, to connect with those emotions that I had used to to dictate, you know, how I was leading my life, right? It's you know, and that's the, the scary part is that, you know, our subconscious is there to to look after us, you know, it just runs all the behind-the-scenes things, like keeping our heart rate going, our heart going, and lungs pumping, and hormones going, and all that stuff. But at the same point, like you know, uh, it's also there grabbing, like grabbing onto these emotions and our reactions to our exterior world. So you know, next time a similar instance happens, it could just cue that emotion without having to you know stress the system and you know worry about. You know, they could just go with what what the first response was. And so by doing that, in the name of efficiency, it's actually, it limits us to that, you know, to that first program, you know, emotion. And so, you know, decades later, we're still, you know, we don't like peanut butter and shit jelly sandwiches because, you know, the dog barked at us and scared us while we were eating when we were five years old, right? Or we'd have a problem with money because, uh, you know, dad came home, you know, upset about something, whatever. I mean, there are millions of different, you know, possibilities for how these things uh, or how these emotions uh, get programmed and embodied. But yeah, the fact is, like, in our adulthood, we're actually being steered in the decisions we make by, by a child, you know, by our own child and the experiences as a child.
0: So... It's like uh I, I think it's like being when you're in a carrier in the backseat and it just can go in any direction. And then when you go through the transition, then you become the driver and you know yeah, where exactly. you're going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I felt lost for so long. Just so, so lost and and just and frustrated, you know. And you see, that's the thing that I realized with through this work is that the frustration is key. The frustration is our salvation because. The way you know we're talking about the subconscious and conscious earlier, right? I was so frustrated because you know I had you know I had friends uh, and family that were they were doing well, you know they had they had good jobs and they were like taking care of themselves and you know I wanted the same thing, you know consciously. I'll imagine two different gears, right? And your top gear, you got your conscious intentions, like what you want, right? And then your subconscious as uh, the the bottom cue. So I know are your program, the programmed uh, emotions of your subconscious, right? So the first frustration that we feel is when those two gears are grinding against each other, right? You want this, but your subconscious like, eh, no, sorry. You want to lose weight, but it's like, oh no. Or you want to stop drinking, uh, no. You want to make money, or you want to start that business, but it's like, no. And that frustration, I found that you know, when when you are frustrated, it's like, ding. That's the light. That's where we need to go after. There's the the emotions there that we need to take care of. We need to connect with. We need to appreciate, and then move, and then you know that uh, frees up the space for you to step into uh, a new potential.
0: Uh, and with the NLP, then, like how are you combining all the kind of breathwork, the whole lot? So I suppose let's look at somebody that has a problem. How would you kind of? Because I'm just conscious of the audience and everybody mm-hmm. knows something like, I mean, it's especially yeah, yeah. in the last two years with this pandemic, It's like, you know, everybody's experienced even more trauma in the house, you know, fights oh, over course. money, losing jobs, relationships. So like, what's the best kind of process to kind of go through? I know okay. it's not an overnight success. Of course, it's a slow journey. No,
1: no. Well, the thing is, like, uh, the process that I take people through is an eight-week process. And it, we work, we go chakra by chakra. We focus on the heaviest emotions in each chakra. So, for example, what we'll do is uh, we'll test uh, around, for the first example, for the first uh, chakra, we'll go through shame um, and guilt. And so we'll look for the emotions that the individual has attached to, it's anchored uh, in their uh, body, in their first chakra, and around their body to shame to instances that happen. And we can use we use muscle testing to do that, and then we also look for the ages where where that happened. Right. So we do the the. Sometimes I use the first three ages, but uh, depending on how old the person is, like we'll. we'll We'll go. We'll do even. We'll find even more emotions. Um, and also it depends on like the trauma, the trauma as well, and what what we find. But yeah, we go through and we find those emotions and the ages that they uh, that they occur, and then we connect with them. We connect with them uh, on a mental level. We go back and we look at, for for any memories that are associated with that trauma at that with, at that age. And I like, like how you brought up trauma too, because uh, one thing I want to point out, if you're listening is that, you know, a lot of people see trauma as like uh, what I was talking about earlier, like a, m- one of my car accidents or something like that. Right. Well, a trauma could be all uh, a tra- trauma is an emotional response, right? So it can be as, as, as uh, small as your, uh, your mom looking at you wrong, or, you know, fussing at you for, you know, taking a candy bar off the shelf at the supermarket. Uh, or it can be like, I don't know if you're two years old and a butterfly lands on your shoulder and freaks you out. I mean, it could be anything like that, right? Trauma is just an emotional response, to your reaction to that, uh, to that stimuli. So, yeah. So we connect with it on a uh, connect with the trauma that we find on a uh, if there's if there any memories there. And if it's not, it helps, but it's not necessary. Then what I will have an individual do is we'll go through. Uh, and we'll scan the body to find out where, where they feel that emotion that we find that was attached to shame. Sometimes it's shame, sometimes it's anger, whatever it is. But we find it. I have them explore, close their eyes and, close, and, and explore their body and find out where, where that, uh, that emotion is stored. Uh, and then we use the, the meridian chart. There's, uh, there are specific release points on their body that are connected to the meridians where we find the emotions, and so we use that release point along with that ama breath, that three-part breath that I told you about, to move the emotion. And when that happens, it can be a uh, very and pun, pun not attended, but it can be a very moving experience because that's we've connected on a, in a memory um, and then physically as well, and then uh, we move it with the with the breath. And it's just uh, yeah, it's nice to you know when when an individual does connect with it and then, and realizes like, you know, that emotion, like I put it there, you know, I'm responsible for it being there, but I'm also responsible for it leaving now. So, and the thing is like, you know, it's not something, when we do find these emotions, it's not something to beat yourself up, like beat yourself up over. Like, uh, I kind of did that when I when I when I had this first epiphany. I was like, "Oh my God! I've been doing this all you know. I've been doing this to myself. I've I've been limiting myself and self sabotaging myself, like almost literally trying to kill myself you know, for decades, right? But the thing is, like these these emotions that we programmed and that that we use to dictate how our how our lives unfold, they have they've created the person that we are, right? So. In a way, we have to say, you know, well, I am this way, because I am the way I am because of the things, the decisions I've made, which are based on the emotions that I've embodied that I've anchored. So in a way, I have to thank, you know, that emotion and, and my subconscious for, you know, for helping, for molding me in that way. And now I can use the experience that I've gained from those experiences and move forward with the knowledge that now I can make choices on my own. Because that's one of the most beautiful parts of this work is that, or any, any work where you experience these epiphanies or self-awareness. And for me, self-awareness is like conscious recognition of the thoughts, words, deeds, uh, emotions, and energy that you're giving off that are, that are using to affect the relationships in your life, right? So once you, once you have that awareness, you're like, whoa, okay, I've been doing this. So now I know I can keep doing this and I can keep getting the same results. Or now I can choose something different and see what that leads me. And yeah, I mean, that's just, that's, that is so freeing because it's yeah, now you have a choice. You have a choice. You can make it now without being you know, guided without that that gear, you know, without being having that frustration from the subconscious and conscious uh, uh, programs. I
0: I went through losing kind of everything, you know, losing my own houses and lots of businesses and everything. And I was kind of I was kind of the pain was kind of about all the ones that had fraudulently done stuff to me. And as soon as I let it go, I I got that through kind of a six stage meditation process. And it was like the act of forgiving and you just forgive them. And then I just go through the journey of like, what was their journey? You know, why did they become who they are? Like, you know, because you've like the unconditional love for a baby, but somebody obviously influenced them to make them become who they were. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then would you hate the baby? No, of course not. So and by just doing that, it just freed me. And it just everything after that was great. That's awesome, man how long uh how long did it take you to move through
1: that uh that process of forgiveness it
0: it was maybe two years i'd say Mm -hmm. year maybe a year like i i I started doing the meditation and it definitely helped me and then i don't know i i would think maybe a year or two and like because there's some that you start forgiving but the big ones it yeah, took a bit, it they took take a bit. work, right? Yeah, they take work. And know it's like not, and then also the thing I say to people as well is like sometimes when people are telling the story, like I can tell any of the stories of the things that happened, and it doesn't affect me. But some people yeah. relive it, and they oh, go exactly, back into right. the zone. And I I I say you need to kind of come to terms with it yourself before you start sharing it around because you're really hurting yourself. And it's like you know you said at the start to love yourself and just have forgiveness and everything. Once you get to that, you no longer go through that you know the poor me kind of thing because then you're getting the information and the support from the people that you're telling the story for and you're just going in a vicious circle and you never get out of it
1: yeah exactly i was i was my, myself i was stuck in that cycle of just like and i didn't think so you know i was just like you know these things had happened to me and i was like you know I would tell the story, but like, you know, looking back on it and like, man, I, I used to like, I had to feed off that story, you know, and feed off the pain that I suffered and the pain. I wore that pain and like the suffering like a badge of honor. Right. And then once you, you know, once you leave, you know, once you uh, let it go, it's like, yeah, hey, it's just something happened, but you know, that's me. Like, you know, that's just what happened. You know? It's not, it's not who I am anymore so it's cool man awesome
0: yeah, yeah. i think you become bulletproof after that it's like you go through some uh, you know you just you t- you just look at the world differently you know you don't yeah totally, so. right. yeah, yeah and which what you're doing then is it only kind of in situ or can can it be done online like when you're dealing with people yeah yeah Can can do a lot
1: yeah totally do online so one of the first things uh i started working with an individual um and, I started doing this on my own. I started working with a lady and she was up and I'm in the south of Taiwan and the second largest city in the country called Kaohsiung. And the woman I was working with was up in Taipei. And so we were doing online work. And then uh, there were some issues with Internet. So at the I think it's one of the one of the last sessions that we did, we actually did over the phone. We were we started a Zoom meeting. But then the connection was so bad. I was like, "Let me call you. Let's see if this works." And we went through the same thing. And you know what I found through that was that you know the separation that we experience in life is like created by our, like we create the separation, right? Because everything is energy, and we're all connected. And uh, if there's separation, it's because we have created it ourselves. So we have the power to connect with uh, each other. Uh, from here to the moon so and that's that's uh, a pretty that's uh, just really amazing it's amazing how it's amazing how we're you know in this world that we're in now you know post-covid even like during the whole covid thing like people are waking up and you know they're really uh, getting exposed to a lot of different methods of healing and awakening and it's obviously you know, a few years ago, I might have looked at things. You know, even before I, you know, found this work, I was, I was kind of down on things and down on the world and how, you know, all oh, the wars and this and that and all, oh, you know, the global warming and ah, oh, we're going to hell in a handbasket. But you know, it's um, there's a lot of there are a lot more reasons to be hopeful that, uh, about things than there are to you know, kind of for lack of a better word crap on everything right it's just uh i think that's that's kind of
0: it's important to touch on because i mean i just know it from a lot of the people that are fighting the fight with this exposing stuff and a lot of them get worried down on it i don't do that i don't let it come into me you know Mm -hmm. it is what it is and the thing is we're the media is so controlled that all we hear and see is negativity. And like people don't even realize every hour on you're listening to the radio, they have to put on five or seven minutes of negativity. Like oh. well, what is doing that doing to your head? And when you turn that off and right? you don't listen to it, yeah. then you start seeing the amount of beautiful things happening in the world. And exactly. And you just don't let the fair get get to you. Exactly. I love that. That's a that's a really good point. I stopped listening. Or watching
1: the news, um, or like even checking online news or anything. Probably about, I don't know, maybe ten years ago, and it wasn't until recently that, and after after that, I just was. I was always been a big sports fan, so ESPN was like my daily check-in. Right, I would see what's going on with football, and basketball, and soccer, and like, like everything. Right, you know, the sports. I wanted to know what was going on. But then it was funny. Like about a year ago, I started looking at you know what I was uh, reading on ESPN, and I was like, I was like, dude, this is one big like soap opera. And like you know, even uh, w- with the sports, like all they want to do is an inject like this person said this to this person, right? You know, this person is in trouble for doing this. This part, like it's you know, and it's even in sports they make it negative. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean. If, uh, I I watched. I checked in recently with the NBA playoffs just to see what's going. On. And then during the Super Bowl, you know, I was checking in. But like my daily check in with ESPN is I'm I'm finished with it.
0: I remember I, I I don't know when it was, but I I was in in the states and I had to fly from New York to Chicago or to uh, San Francisco around that area, mm-hmm. and on the plane, there was like CNN and you couldn't turn it off. And it's like you have children looking at this and the same in the house. Like I make sure my youngest child is eight and it's like I don't allow the radio and I don't want him to see that. And it's like Mm -hmm. most people don't. They're like we're talking really of what's this going into your cells at a very young age, like Mm -hmm. even now they're talking, they're telling the kids wear a mask. You know, get jabbed. There's this, there's that, and they're terrified. And then they're talking about the war, like a child of five and seven are conscious of all this stuff. No, like mm-hmm. that is serious, serious problems for the future. Like
1: exactly, exactly. And that's what we were talking about earlier, right? It's like you know, it doesn't like these things, these traumatic things that happen to us. You know, we don't even have to be aware of it, right? Our subconsciousness is just like. <sighs> at that age just like sucking things in like a like a vacuum cleaner right so you know the kid might be playing like legos and over you know they might not you know consciously you know acknowledge you know somebody getting shot on the news or something like that but like boom subconscious does
0: so, no and right? I mean all the stuff that you see on the on the television now. Like I mean, I've even seen that years ago. I've seen if I curse, people freak out. And to me, it's nothing. In Ireland, it's like a form of endearment. It's just nobody <laughs> takes offense to it. But right. yet I can see somebody getting decapitated, I can see somebody half naked gyrating on the stage, yeah. At, and war and everything, and that's all cool. You know, know. like the whole lot is conditioned and people like. Like even if you look at all the games for the children, all war uh, games and everything, and people are happy, to let their children off; they're not disturbing them. You know, you you like you're disturbing happy, them in a, in a know, different we, way. Yeah, we have to look deeper in ourselves, but also there's a sponge next to us, and you have to make sure: is am I putting clean water into that sponge or dirty water? And if you look around, ninety five or plus percent, it's dirty water going into that sponge. I agree. I
1: agree yeah we have to be what's the best way
0: how how do we i suppose with the fear factor of the people that are going through this thing because even in the houses like when there's fear there what's the best way what's it from your experience and just dealing with people when they're living in fear fear
1: well the thing is with fear right like so fear is a future-based emotion right so like right here right now like we're good all is good. Like, you know, you're in your house, I'm in mine, like, you know, we're, we're both, you know, we, get, we have a roof over our head. Like I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm comfortable, right? You, I'm having a great conversation with you and everything's good, right? The minute we step out of that and like start projecting what's going to happen next, you know, then, you know, then that's when, you know, that fear creeps in. This is a, a trick that I used for overthinking. And then like, I, man, this is so, this works so well. For overthinking and it and would work for fear as well, because uh, overthinking is pretty the same thing. It's just your mind just running a story that you're creating, and then it basically it's like a tumbleweed or a snowball, right? It starts off small with like one like maybe semi fact that's probably not even a fact at all, right? Then you put you start padding that story, and next thing you know, it's this huge thing. You're like, oh my god, oh the world's gonna end. The way to stop that is just. If you can catch yourself thinking or overthinking or or fear in that in that fear moment, just ask yourself, is it true? Right. And the pro and the the thing is, like most of the time, you can like probably 90 95% of the time you can say, no, it's not true. You know, even the things that we see in our in our lives are not, you know, it's only, you know, it's only from our perspective, right? We don't have all the facts about it. I got a good an interesting story to highlight this point. My wife and I went. We live on the coast of Taiwan, like literally, like live on a cliff, and like the ocean is like I can throw a golf ball into the Pacific Ocean. And so on the weekends we go down this little sports center that we go down to, and we'll, uh, we we got kayaks and paddle boards and stuff like that. So we'll go down there and play in the ocean. Well, a few a few weeks ago we go uh, kayak, and we we hadn't been out in a long time and was paddling right up the coast, just beautiful, having a beautiful paddle, and I look up in the distance, and and one of the cliffs, it looks like there was a hole in the cliff, and I was like, oh my God, I was like, sweetheart, look look at that, is that like from a, because it was uh, right around the time of rainy season, and I was like, wow, is that like a big landslide that just like carved out a big hole in that cliff? And she was like, oh, my God, I can't believe, like, that's huge. Like, you drive like a bus through that thing. And so we're paddling and paddling, we get closer and closer, and the closer we get, we're like, holy cow, that's, like, huge. I can't believe we've never seen that before. How did, like, how do we miss that? And then, like, right as almost where we got on it, we both looked at each other like, oh, my God, that's not a hole. It was a tree that was sitting on the cliff, right? But the sun was hitting it at a, at, a uh, at an angle that illuminated it and it made it look like it was like there was a hole in this cliff. but it wasn't. It was just a tree. And so the thing is, like we had thought, you know, and we were like dead set on believing that there was a hole in this cliff. And then come to come to like when, you know, once we got on there, it was like, no, you know, our mind was just not our mind. Our eyes
0: were playing tricks on us. and It was just an illusion. but that's life we keep telling ourselves a story and it's like and even you know when you're talking to somebody it's like there's there's your side there's my side and there's the truth you know and we all exactly and and, uh, like i know from a lot of people uh, you know you have a thought process of something that happened in the past and you you discuss it with the family and everybody's got a different version and you're like what's the real truth it's so it's our mind plays a lot of tricks on us exactly so is your plan to, cause like, I I think it's so important what you're doing because there's so much suffering going on and like, you know, are you able to kind of share what you're doing and get more people around the world? doing? Is that your, that you could actually, uh, that people could learn it? a kind of coaching system that you've others doing this to replicate it and kind of reach millions?
1: that is what i would like to see happen that is that is actually my plan to bring people i like i don't i'm not big on like the whole certification program like you know hey you know pay me this and like i'll give you a gold star and you can go like that's i think that's bs
0: man yeah, yeah.
1: um but like you know because like this stuff that you know the stuff that i learned from an individual like you know i took that and then i i you know, I was not happy with what I, you know, what, with the results. So I took it further and developed it further. And like, I, you know, my thing is to help other people take it further themselves. Right. And, you know, and, and use, use what I've done as a foundation to help themselves
0: further, to help their family members, to help their friends. And uh, yeah,
1: that's, that's,
0: yeah, I do see that happening. No, excellent. And like I say when there's alcohol, you know, I've seen that's all through life. There's always some family of someone you know, there's it's so there's so many people, but they all kind of hide it as well. They don't want mm-hmm. nobody else to know it. What's the best way of dealing when somebody in the family has got it? And sometimes they don't want the help or does it have to be them that basically decide, yeah, I can do it? Because a lot of the time, you know, the whole family unit is breaking up because of this and you have to kind of intervene. What's your kind of thoughts on that? Yeah.
1: The thing is, like, you know, it can be alcohol, you know, uh, it can be drugs, it can be food, it can be work. I mean, you know, work is socially acceptable, right? But work, you know, work crushes just as many marriages, I'm sure, as alcohol and drugs and stuff like that, right? So it's like, you know, pick your poison. But... Um, so we all like we all have something. But like when you're like, you have to make the decision that, you know, it's you know, it's your time to to make a change. Right. You've got to be ready to make a change. You can't be like I was you know, I had family members, you know, try to you know, talk me into you know, going to AA and doing this stuff. Like when I was drinking, like in my heyday, like at my highest point, I was a, a case of beer a day, like twenty four. And that was Bud Light American beer, right? So it's like watered down. But anyway, and then at night I was drinking Jack Daniels to like to put myself to sleep. And I like I you could have told me like I and I had people like dude you're drinking too much. I'm like ah whatever you know Uh, it's not. But when you you've got you've got to make that decision. Nobody else can make it for you. So. I think that for a family member that, uh, or a friend that's going through that, I mean, I think the best thing you can do is be, be a friend to that person uh, and show compassion to, for what they're going through. Don't, I hate to say don't, be careful uh, with judgment, you know, because you know, they are the way they are and you know, they're, drinking the way they're drinking, they're working the way they're working, they're doing the th- whatever the thing that they're doing that's detrimental to their relationship with uh, with you or the individual that's going through it. You know, they're doing that, you know, not because it's, you know, fun, not because they're like, well, this is great, I want to ruin my life, you know, no, they, there's their programs that they've, you know, that they're hanging on to, that they've anchored that are causing them to do that, you know, consciously, you know, consciously, I didn't want to run my you know, I didn't, my, my dad gave me the car 10 days before I wrecked it. You know, it wasn't anyway. So I didn't want to do that. You know, I didn't want to wake up in the hospital room with like, you know, dozens of broken bones and like hundreds of stitches and staples, like littered on all over my body. I look like Frankenstein with my, with my clothes off. And then two years later uh, I got hit by a car skateboarding. I was drunk. You no, know? The car ran over my leg, and I almost lost my leg. Uh, I got a staph infection. I was on. Uh, I was in a wheelchair for months. I was in. I had a needle going into my chest that went straight into my heart to take the. Uh, because the antibiotics that I was on were so strong, it would have collapsed any like regular vein, right? I didn't want that. You know, I didn't ask for that consciously. I didn't want that, but you know, that was what you know, that was the, you know, the the emotions that I programmed were leading me down that destructive path. And so, yeah, just compassion. And, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm only, I'm only, I love you. Right. And, you know, I'm, we're basically healing with, with love and with compassion. I named it that because, The first book I read when I started this journey was called Love Yourself Like Your, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On, I think. Yeah. And so I got this uh, sticky note and I put it on my uh, bathroom mirror at the time and it said, I love you. And I looked at it and after like a couple of weeks, I just tore it down because I hated looking at it. I was like, oh, I don't, I hate myself. And then once I once I went through this work and I find, you know, I finally uncovered these emotions and I learned to love the person that I had become, you know, I was finally able to say, yes, man, I love you. So the, those three words are so, so powerful. And so, you know, I know when people are, you know, you know, people acting out against you and, you know, family members or friends or, or, or you know, spouses or whatever, you know, that it hurts, but, you know, do the best you can to you know understand to to try to understand you know that they're not doing it out of just
0: you know meanness yeah i mean it's all true compassion because i mean who's Mm. ever changed with somebody complaining at the end of the day just makes it go further deeper if you're if you're if you're feeling pain and somebody just complains it doesn't bring you up it brings you down and unfortunately even though they're trying to do the best for the person because they want them to change. They just don't do it in the right way. And like, you're, you're dead right. It's true compassion that, you, that yeah. you do. Yeah.
1: Just like empathy, you know, that's really huge. Just understanding, you know, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not to hurt you. You know, that nobody's, it's just, it's, it's the way we're, we're programmed. And, you know, going through, you know, having that empathy, having that compassion will help you, you know, help you as an individual grow as well. It's, it's funny because like, You know, I think, like, in that situation, you know, look at what you can do for yourself to make yourself a better person. Don't try to change that person because, you know, we can't heal others until we first heal ourselves, right? And so by us becoming the change that we want to see in other people, we sometimes effortlessly affect them and, like, just, like that's happened to the, in all the, you know, relationship that I surround myself with. Right. I mean, I now have, you know, completely different relationships with people that I never had anything to do with, uh, years ago. And it's just because I personally have changed.
0: And just kind of finally is on the breath work. What kind of breath work were you doing? And do you still, do you have a process as well for now to just kind of stay in flow?
1: Yeah, I do. I do. I do the work that I do now probably once a week just for clearing, like clearing any resid- like any emotions that I've been going through, the, the, uh, that I've been experiencing during the week um, because I've got all the root stuff. I've got like, um, I've got all that cleared out and it's more like, it's more like housekeeping now. Uh, it's kind of like you know if you're going to lose weight you know you can't just eat one meal right one healthy meal if you can you want to if you want a nice body you can't go to the gym once right it's, it's got to be routine right you've got to you got you've got to keep it up and, and stay on top of it so i do that and breath work for me is like really really important that's something i do almost every day i'll do like the i do some Wim Hof breathing to help to really help be, boost my moon, immune system and then towards the at the end of my uh, at the end of my Wim Hof uh, sessions, I'll do some push-ups, and then I'll sit back up and I'll do some meditation, starting with the the amo breath um, that I told you about. So that amo the amo breath is a it's a three part breath. So amo in Spanish means I love, right? So it's A M O. So with A with the A part of the amo breath, it's a uh, so we're, we're visualizing light coming down from, from above, down to our crown, down to our throat, and into, into our chest, right? And then ah, uh, it's almost like uh, the om sound from uh, you know, from uh, the, the universal sound, the meditation sound. And so we imagine that light coming down. And as, uh, as we do that, we're connecting with the emotions that we, that we when I'm doing the coursework, do, imagine the emotions that uh, we're connected with. Um, swirling into the heart center and that part comes with the mm. so with the M. So it's, um, and that's that humming part, right? That's the step that stimulates the vagus nerve and with that humming, we're imagining that light that we pulled pulled in like swirling clockwise in our chest and it does pulling those emotions that we connect with. And with the O, the third part of the breath we're like, oh, I'm and we're imagining that uh, energy. Uh, all of that collective energy being expelled out of our chest. In the eighties, there was this uh cartoon called the Care Bears, and they were like, they would sit there and like shoot like love or whatever out of their chest when they were fighting the enemy. So kind of, kind of cheesy. But
0: that's, uh-huh. <laughs> and like with with the OM, because I heard of with the polar shifts or whatever. I mean that that no longer works, and I've heard of AM um, is better. So like, uh-huh. have you heard? Yeah, you know, but. I, I think we just kind of know ourselves because when you do something and it works you, you just know you just feel it. yeah exactly i did not know the whole polar
1: shifting and arm thing no this it it's, it's exactly what you said like as i was doing as i was going deeper with this work before i before this uh the ammo breath kind of came into my consciousness the one of the biggest emotions that uh that I was experiencing as I was releasing these uh, old traumatic wounds was anxiety. And man, the anxiety would riddle me. I mean, just like, oh, you know, I was almost uh, like one of those classic examples of like somebody with a paper bag, just like, I didn't want that bad, but it was, it was pretty bad. And so, and that's where, yeah, I was doing it one day and I was like, cause my wife had been through like a Reiki course before, before I went through this, uh, through this work. And so she was helping me every once in a while. I was like, I, I need some help. And she would you know, put her hands on me um, and you know, help me calm down with the, uh, using Reiki. And I was like, and I, I love my wife, but I just, I like doing things on my own, you know? And I don't want to bother like every time I'm like, oh you know, I kind of feel like I know I don't want to bother you, like I want to take care of it myself. And so yeah, I was as I was doing this work, i uh just one of those things, like things just started piling in and adding up, and I was like, huh. Oh. And then I started doing it, I was like, whoa, this works, man. Holy cow! And anxiety gone. Excellent, excellent. Listen.
0: Oh totally enjoyed our conversation and I know you're helping people and at the end of the day, I hope that you know you're able to actually teach more to do this, because the ripple effect and just. Yeah, I think even people just listening to the conversation just different things to try as well, because everyone has their own little journey and yeah, of course. And, you know, because we've touched on a lot of different things that it's worth trying. I mean, even the bread work, all different things. And, you know, just give forgiveness for yourself as well. Because, yeah, why beat, beat yourself up of something that you've done in the past? It's done. You can't, mm. we don't have a you know, time clock. Yeah, go back and change that. You know, there's no point in beating yourself up. It is what it is. But you can be mm. a new person tomorrow. You don't have to be the mm. same person you were yesterday.
1: True, true. Yeah. The thing is like beating ourselves you know, up, you know, that's just, you know, that's just, that's part of the program too. Right. You know, we, we hanging on to, you know, hanging on to the past and, you know, by doing this work, you know, we can let go of those past things, but, you know, that's one of the reasons I don't, I, I, I try not to say don't do this or don't do that because that, those are like, those are instructions that I That I that we read. Right. And and as we're learning to get better and we're learning to master our own selves, it's like do this or don't do this. Right. And then if you don't do it or you do do it, you feel like a loser. Right. You're Like, oh, man, like so and so said, don't do this, but I did it. It's like, why am I doing that? And the thing is, like the reason you're doing that, and the reason you don't know, like how to stop, is because that's it's one of that's one of the programs, right? That's something that you have gotta let go. And by connecting with that stuff, then we can, you know, then we can move forward without being hung up on, like you know, being hung up on that on that thing. Mm-hmm. So, so it's
0: very important what you just said because that's what happens. You know, like you're trying to improve, and then you start beating yourself up because whether it's yeah. eating. Or drinking and you just have a, you know, you just have a bad day or whatever. You don't want to be, because then by beating yourself up, your emotions go down, the, the vibrations go down, and then you go back into the cycle. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, No, love it, love it. Listen, both, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. You might let people know how they can get in contact with you.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely check out the website. It's um, amoniclear.com um also if like the breath uh, work resonated with you check out my youtube channel the amo breath is uh is on my youtube channel so you can check that video out and like you know watch it and figure out how to do it on yourself uh, um i'd recommend doing it before like a meditation it'll like totally chill you out and like make it just really uh give you and yeah, it makes you feel this fills you literally with love
0: so that's it hey, thanks roy yeah, perfect. I'll make sure I'll put it in the audio and the video. Thank you very much. That's all for the Awakening Podcast. You can find all our episodes on awakeningpodcast.org, as mentioned, from BitChute, and all about me and my other podcasts and my coaching you'll find on bio.link forward slash podcast. Until next week,
1: take care.